13, we're going to launch in. This is uh, the last of our two weeks that we've been looking at, lifting the lids on our lives. And uh, last time that I was here, uh, which was a couple of weeks ago, and shared, uh, I was talking about uh, lids that need to be taken from our lives and how we mustn't uh, look back, we mustn't keep back, and we mustn't shrink back. And um, if you haven't heard that, I'd encourage you to, to have a listen to it. But tonight, before we actually go to the Word, I just want to say something to every one of us because there are limitations that we can put on ourselves. There are limitations that are imposed on us at different times. And another way of saying that is there are lids on our lives. And uh, I want to encourage us, by God's grace here in Arena, to live without limits, to live without lids over our lives and to really believe God for great things. One of the statements that we make within our heartbeat statement is we want to live uh, with the impossible in our lives. And uh, one of the things that the impossible means, well, it means those things that aren't possible are made possible. That's why they're impossible. And we want to live with a sense of we're living with the impossible in our lives. That person that you think, they're never going to come to faith. They're never going to become a Christian. That situation that just seems so desperate, that thing's never going to turn around. Have you seen their lifestyle and what they're doing at this moment? They're never going to turn around. That building that we really would love in the center of Mansfield, and it's going to cost us an arm and a leg and more, we'll never be able to afford that. We'll never be able to do that. They're the kind of things that God responds to. God loves taking the hardest heart, God loves taking the hardest situation. God loves taking those people who have no finances and begins to work his magic, if I can use that phrase, into something that's really, really wonderful. Some of you are really perturbed by the word magic. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Not for one, mo- not for one minute. So we want to live with, lid, with lids lifted off our lives. I just have got this jam jar here, and it did actually have some strawberry preserve 2011. And um, I don't know whether you've ever heard of this before, but there's some scientists did a, did a study one time with fleas. And we know that fleas jump. And fleas can jump very, very high, actually. And so the scientists decided that they would see what would happen if they put the flea in the jam jar. And they put the flea in the jam jar, and guess what? It jumped out the jar. So they then decided that what they would actually do is they would put the the flea in the jam jar. I'm sure they created some kind of ventilation, circulation of air. And then they put the lid on the jar. And they watched the flea jump. And it kept jumping and hitting the, the lid of the jar. It kept jumping. Jumping. And as they just observed, this is an absolute truth, scientific thing that they did. They realized within a space of time, I can't quite remember how long, but the flea became so conditioned, it kept on jumping, but it jumped far enough not to hit its head on the lid. And it kept jumping not so far so it didn't hit its head on the lid. You see, the flea was contained by... Not the jar, but by the lid. I was asking, uh, I mean, don't ask Phil Pye now, and don't ask Adie, and don't ask Chris to be a phone a friend on who wants to win, be a, win a millionaire, be a millionaire, because, well, f- quite frankly, they, they let me down badly. But um, I, was trying to, I, was try, I was trying to find out 
Well, you know, I, I actually asked the, the guys and they said, no, that is true. Because again, I heard of, um, we can have a crocodile, a baby crocodile, and you put this baby crocodile in a pond. And if the, if the, the, the diameter of the pond, let's say it's, I don't know, six foot, the crocodile will only grow to the size of the pond. Yes? Well, actually, only grow to the size of the pond. A.D. was telling me a funny story, actually. His boys are out now. But when he was at boarding school, they used to try and play wag out the school and used to pole vault over the uh, fence without any of the people, the governor knowing or his teachers knowing. And he actually pole vaulted into a pond that was full of crocodiles. (laughs) That is the judgment of God, brother. (laughs) But, But the grace of God preserved you. So when your boys are doing naughty things, you remember crocodiles, okay? But the reality is, crocodiles, I don't know what, there is a phrase to it, but it's absolutely true. They become conditioned by the size of their environment. You see, we will only grow to the size of our environments, that's really important that as we grow as a church and in a, we're coming up to, in a few weeks, celebrating our, our one-year anniversary. That is why I want to encourage you to go and see big churches and go and see a bigger context and go and meet with bigger Christians. Because if we don't, we will stay small. We will only grow to the size of our environment. That is why I would encourage you to go and see different parts of the world and go and explore and be filled with adventure. Because God has so much more for us to enter into, but we can often stay small because we are limited by the environment in which we live in. Am I making myself clear? So we must make sure that the lids that can come to our lives, we need to take off the lids. You see, this could be the lid of others. People are wanting to put a lid on your life. They're wanting to put a lid on your life. They're wanting to say, well, this is the lid on, on, on Kev's life, and we're going to make sure... That he doesn't go beyond his station. The statements that I used to live with, and I understand, I mean, I, you know, when I was a lad growing up, I, th- I guess there was a bit of a, just a tiny bit of a swagger about me at times. Just a tad. And uh, I know it's hard to believe, and you ladies will look shocked, actually. I mean, it's so true. I'm quite angelic, really. But, um, but I remember people saying to me, you know, don't get above your station. And what they were doing is, I don't think he was incredibly encouraging some of those people that were trying to put a lid on my life. What are you praying those kind of prayers for? What are you reading that kind of book for? Well, where have you come from? You've never been to university. You know, you're from the wrong kind of, kind of family. Yeah. And there are lids yeah. that people begin to put on our lives. And we're like a flea and we're wanting to break out of them but we find that we become conditioned so we don't even start to jump anymore. That's the first lid, the lid of, lid of others. But then there's a second lid of being self-imposed lids. We actually say to ourselves, well, Christian, and I touched on this last time that I shared, Christian, you have no idea about my life. No, you're absolutely true. I don't have a, an idea about many of your lives. You have no idea what I've done. No, you're absolutely right. I have no idea what you've done. You have no idea who I've hurt. I understand. I have no idea. You have no idea how many skeletons there are in my cupboard. Absolutely. What you are making statements is you are putting self-imposed lids on your life. 
Because what you're actually saying is, God's grace isn't sufficient for me. God's grace can't cover the sins of my past. You know, that thing that I was involved in, actually, God's not bigger than it. That's what you're actually saying. And we put lids on our lives that stop us becoming all that God wants us to be. You see, what I want to talk about today, if I had to headline it as like a subsection of lifting the lids on our lives, it would be this two words, better places. Have you ever seen that program, the place in the sun? Or there are people who are trying to escape the city life and trying to get into country life. Or there's all kinds of house programs where people are all kind, always trying to escape. Why are people always trying to escape? Just make the best of what you have. But I actually believe there is a place that is better. There is a better place and we're going to read about it now. So I wonder if you just look at Numbers and chapter 13. And um, we're going to read a few verses and then we're going to make some statements. And then we're going to continue to, to continue to, to read. So Numbers 13, it says this. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite uh, community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and with honey. Here it is, here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. I want to say, at the very start of just trying to unpack these scriptures, there is a better place that God is wanting to bring each and every one of us into. I thought I'd get an amen. There is a better place that God wants to take you from into. You see, we should be fueled. I was speaking in another context. We should be fueled by what we see and feel for the future. There are some people who say, This is my lot in life. If you are one of them that says, well, because I have done this, this is my lot in life. This is just how it's going to be. It's how it's always been and it's how it's going to be. I want to say that is the lie of Satan himself. It is not your lot in life. I want to tell you tonight that God so values your life, it is on It is immeasurable, the love that he has for you. He loves you with such passion. It is just so passionate, his love for you. 
And his pursuit of you is so awesome, it's, I can't even begin to describe it. He is passionately tonight pursuing each and every one of us. Even in your mess, even in your dirt, even in your sin. He is passionately wooing you tonight. Because he sees the value and the uniqueness in each and every one of us. Don't let any of us say this is our lot in life. There are better places that God wants to bring us into. It is a land, as we see here, that was flowing with milk and with honey. Now, it wasn't actually flowing with, with milk and honey. It wasn't that milk was coming down the river like something out of Willy Wonka. It wasn't anything like that, although so that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? All the sweeties in the river and licorice all sorts and all you ladies, I've got your attention now, and a river full of chocolate. Oh, how awesome would that be? Yeah. It wasn't a literal flowing with milk and honey. What they were saying is the fruit is exceedingly good. The fruit is massive, it's fresh, it's right, oh, it's just beautiful. It's just a lush green land because they were living in the desert. And this land had everything that they need because, of course, they weren't able to chop down to the local Morrisons or Sainsbury's or Tesco's or Asda. They had to produce their own vegetables, they had to feed their own cattle. So the land was very important. What they were saying is this land is a better place than where we, than where we are now. This is a great land. This is a, a land to raise our kids. This is a land to, to build our homes. This is a land to, to adventure. This is a land to enjoy. And this is the kind of land that God has on offer for each and every one of us. It's not filled all the time with a bed of roses, but I want to say the land that God wants to take us into is better than the land that we are presently living in. Because God has got a great future for every one of us. He really has, in Jesus' name. But we see here, as a result of ten negative spies, they spread a bad report. You see, what they were actually doing is, in this better place, there was a problem. These ten men reminded them, reminded the people of their yesterdays. Don't you just get annoyed by people who always, always want to remind you what you did. It's never anything good either, is it? Help me. Nobody ever wants to tell you something good you did. They always want to tell you something bad that you did. Why is that? And what wanted to happen is these spies were just, they they saw the land that was flown with milk and honey, but they were living in their yesterdays. They were living in a yesterday spirit. They were living in an old spirit. There was two, and we'll come on to those in a moment, that they didn't want to live there. They were believing for God to do great things amongst them. They could see the better place that God wanted to take them into. But these ten, they were living in their yesterdays. I want to tell you, if you will live in your yesterdays, you have no today and you have no tomorrow. You will just continue to live in your yesterday. Am I making myself clear? There are too many people that I meet who continue to live in their yesterdays. What were their yesterdays? Well, let's look at it together, shall we? Numbers chapter 14, if you've got your Bible. Let's just look at verse 1. As a result of this bad report, verse 1 describes what happened. He said, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. It was a very sorry camp. There was no... 
Kumbaya, my lord, singing around the campfire, come roasting marshmallows, having a barbecue, get the ketchup on. There was none of that. It was weeping and wailing in the camp. They were weeping and they were wailing. What was their yesterdays? Well, number one, they were murmuring and complaining. They just murmured and complained. I want to tell you, if you continue to murmur and complain, you will get what you murmur and complain about. I shocked you. Let's stop murmuring and complaining. Let's enjoy all that God has for us. I want to tell each and every one of you, you are blessed. You're blessed. Your life might not be perfect. It might be pretty wretched at the moment. But the very fact that we live here in the United Kingdom means that we're a very blessed people. We're an absolute minority of people. And you've heard me say this before, that I have clothes, that I have food, that I have a home. We're very medical, access to free medical care. We're incredibly blessed. Why do we keep murmuring and complaining? We need to stop murmuring and complaining. Any murmurs and complainers here? Don't own up because I'll come and have a word with you. We need to stop murmuring and complaining. Murmuring and complaining was the very thing that stopped them going into the promised land, this land that was flowing with milk and honey, this better place. It was murmuring and complaining. It was yesterday attitude, it was yesterday spirit, because even as God was leading them out of Egypt, what did they do? They were murmuring and complaining. It was just a pattern of their life. Let, what else were they living in? Well, they were, the yesterdays was they were living in negativity. Because we see that there were ten who brought a bad report. We've just had our four children come back with school reports. And obviously on the school reports, they give a grade for, you know what you've achieved, achievement, and for effort, and then there's usually some side comments. I want to say thanks be to God, all of them, including Isaac's, was, uh, was, was, was good. I want to tell you, I used to dread my school report. I used to absolutely dread it. And there was good reason why. And if you want to know why, ask my mum afterwards. But there was a a report, and these guys here brought a bad report. Let me just make a statement very quickly, because what were they saying? They were saying it's true in verse 27 and Numbers 13. You know, it's a land flowing with milk, milk and honey. But then they go on to say, but the cities are fortified. Well, that's fine, and they're very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. What they were basically saying is there are some giants in the land. There was a particular nation that was just known for... Producing big guys. There was just giants in the land. But then notice, Caleb then tries to influence their, their comments by saying in verse 30, we should go up and take the, the land. We, we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. Verse 31, they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report, a negative report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And notice this. All the people we saw there are of great size. They've gone from saying there are a few of that nation, but now all of them are of great size. I've been in church leadership long enough, and Phil and I have been in it long enough, that when somebody comes to us and says, everybody feels like this, and I've had this before. Initially, when this used to happen to me, I used to think, 
Everybody's against me. I can't believe it. What have I done wrong? Seriously, I, I can't believe it. But then I remember my old pastor, George, used to say to me, when people say all or everybody, ask them how many. <laughs> so that's what I did. Somebody came to me and said, everybody, okay, that's fine. Who are they? Well, everybody, okay. Tell me who they are. Well, there's Fred, and there's Jim, yes. Well, there's Fred, and there's Jim, <laughs> yes. Well, that's it, but that's everybody. Everybody feels like, excuse me, that is not everybody. That is not everybody. And what these guys were doing, they were spreading a negative bad report, and they were saying, everybody in the land is large. Everybody is big. We'll never be able to take these guys. I want to tell you, if you will live with a constant bad report, you will never break through into the better place that God has for you. Some of you keep listening to the bad report. Some of you keep listening to the wrong stuff. Some of you keep putting on the wrong CD. Negativity. Thirdly, small-mindedness. Let me move quickly. They said... In verse 33, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. They were small-minded. They had small hearts. They had small attitudes. They had a small capacity for God. You see, God had already promised this particular nation that as he said to their father, Abraham, he said, come and have a look on the seashore. If you can count the grains of sand, then that's what's going to happen. Look in the Look in the sky and see the, the, the stars. Count them. If you can count, that's how many. God's promise to them was that they were going to be a great and powerful nation. But they were choosing to believe 10 people rather than what God said about them. And they were small-mindedness in their life. We must make sure that in the context of where we are, Phil said something very, very interesting this morning. If you didn't, weren't there this morning, you need to get the podcast about defeating beige in our life, which is mediocrity. And mediocrity comes from the word middling, a French word middling. And he was absolutely fantastic what he had to say. And the, the, th- the thing is, you see, we need to be very, very careful that we don't live with this small mindedness. And he just reminded us that in this region, in this area, we can naturally live with, well, we're small, we're in the Midlands, we're, we're middle, we're mediocre, we're in Ilkeston, we're in Mansfield. Well, what really good comes out of Ilkeston and Mansfield? Please don't take any offense by that because I'm a Mansfield born and bred. But what really can happen here, we've never had any great footballers produced. We've not got any uh, Hollywood stars come from Mansfield. What great comes from Mansfield? And God wants to say to us, stop thinking like that. What great church has ever come from Mansfield? We've got to start thinking like that. It's small-mindedness. God has got great things in store for us. And lastly, not only were they murmuring and complaining, not only were they negative, not only were they small-minded, they were apathetic and indifferent. Oh, please, you need to hear these statements because these are very powerful because these are lids that you will put on your lives. If you're hearing me tonight, you'll get something because these are lids that we put on our lives. They were apathetic apathetic and indifferent. Numbers 14, verse 2. They then went on to say, after their grumbling and moaning, they said, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Arian. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died 
in Egypt or in this desert. How ungrateful were they? How ungrateful were they? But it's no good us shaking our head and saying, oh, that's terrible. I would never have been like that. Ask the question, where would you have been? Would you have been in the ten or would you have been in the two? Because so often we can be that apathetic and indifferent about the things of God. We just shrug our shoulders. Well, case okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. And God is looking for more than that. He's looking for people who are passionate. He's looking for people who are up for it. He's looking for people who are up, up for the adventure and the challenge of life. That's what he's looking after. That's what he's looking for. He's wanting people who will not allow lids to be placed upon their lives. If we're not careful, we will live in the yesterdays of these people of this nation of Israel. We today will live in their yesterdays if we are not careful. I made this statement many months ago because I want to now move it into, in a moment, the better place for you to inherit. And I want to just share something from Numbers 14 as we close around that. You see, to close this part of the yesterdays, we can't move on unless you move from. I want you to write that down. You can't move on unless you move from. I did another message. I think it was based around Exodus and chapter, I think it's uh, Exodus chapter 14. But we haven't got time to go there. But all I want to say on this is those 10 spies who brought a bad report, they weren't able to move on because they hadn't moved from. What I was saying is this. You see, they may have left Egypt geographically, but Egypt hadn't left them. It's really important. I am so pleased with the journey that we've gone on, and we'll keep just bringing praise to what's happened. But I'm so pleased that there's a group of people who've said, you know what, in this new day, you haven't kept taking us back, if I can say this, to Bozza Street. You, You honored the past. But Bozza Street is gone. You're not keep taking us back there. But you see, these group of people here had left Egypt, but Egypt hadn't left them. And you can't move on unless you move from. What do you need to move from? Well, murmuring, complaining, negativity, small-mindedness, indifference, apathy. You've got to move from from these things if you are going to inherit the better place. Now, let me take you now to Numbers 14. And verse 5. We're just going to read four verses together. And then I want to make three very quick statements. So that is in its negative. They are the lids that will be placed upon our lives. But God wants to break the lids from us. Are you hearing me tonight? God wants to smash the lids off our lives. He wants to break the seal and break the cap. So there is no lid. So God will bring us into a very spacious place. Numbers 14 and verse 5. In verse 4, they said we should choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joseph and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the Lord will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will swallow them up. The protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I want to say I love speeches. 
I love really well-crafted speeches. I've got a whole book in my library on, you know, speeches, the most famous speeches that have ever been given from Gandhi to Jesus to Winston Churchill to some of the war heroes, just some amazing speeches that have been given. And this is a cracker. Joseph and, uh, sorry, Joshua and Caleb actually encouraged the people to believe for something better. What they they were basically saying is, guys, we've heard your negativity. We've heard it all night, this moaning and wailing and, oh, it's got on our nerves. We couldn't sleep a wink. Will you please, for God's sake, shut up and just listen? That's paraphrased according to Christian thought. Okay. Yeah, message version. Please, for God's sake, just shut up, will you? Because we can take this land. We can take them. We can take them in Jesus' name. God is with us. Their protection's gone. We can take them. It's a great land. Let's go in. Let's have them. They were believing and seeing a better place to inherit. What they were basically saying is, guys, we need to come into a place of trust. A place of trust. Numbers 14 verse 9. um, Joshua says to them, Do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Some of you here have backtracked on your commitment to God because you failed in your trust of God. You've said, God isn't bigger than my circumstance. God is not able to take care of my life. So you've tried to sort it out yourself. And what God was wanting to bring these people into, into this journey was a place of trust. I want to encourage Martin and Angie tonight in your married life together to constantly trust one another and to constantly trust God who holds your life. There is a three-corded strand over your life now and it's you two and Jesus. And I want to tell you, Jesus can be trusted. Jesus never lets us down. Other people let us down. We let ourselves down. Jesus never lets us down. Jesus never fails us. And he wants to bring each and every one of you into a place of trust. Joshua was saying, come on, trust the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is trustworthy. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well done, Vicky. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. She's doing a great job of preaching this. And he will guide. And he will guide your footsteps. Vicky, if you will remember that, seriously, that is a great promise for you to remember. God is trustworthy. Trust in God. So he wanted Jacob, sorry, um, Joshua was basically saying, come into this place of trust. Secondly, come into a position of emergence. What I love about this is on our hearts in particular at the moment, Phil and I, and Phil with his national role and then coming back to the local and me within the local, what I see here is there is a position of emergence. Because I know that Joshua and Caleb had been you know, mentioned before, but they really start coming to the forefront. Moses and Aaron tear the clothes, but who was it who spoke? What happened is they saw their leaders 
And they couldn't believe how their leaders were being treated. And there was a new generation that was beginning to emerge into all that God had for them. The better place always emerges leaders. I actually believe in this new place that God is bringing us into, we're going to see an emergence of leaders like we've never seen before. We're going to see people who have come at the right time, at the right place, and they're going to begin to emerge. You see, for Joshua and Caleb, this was their moment. And I want to encourage you here tonight that you may say, well, I've only been here a few months and, you know, I'd love to get involved. I want to say, come and talk to us. We want you involved. We want to see all ages getting involved. This could be the right time at the right place. Can you remember that Cinzano advert? The right time, the right place. No, Martini. That's Martini. I don't know whether you can remember that. I can remember it. You know this girl on roller skates? Right time, right place. That's Martini. She did. Yeah, anyway. Best not go there. Place of trust, a position of emergence. You see, God is wanting to see Men and women, boys and girls emerge with a passion for God and a love for God. People who are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. People who are committed to discipleship and being discipled and discipling others. And lastly, there is a possibility culture. You see, if we want to come into this better place for us to inherit, we must understand that there has to be a possibility culture. Let me read it again. These are powerful words Everybody else is weeping and wailing. And Joshua and Caleb, they say in verse 9, Listen guys, do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we'll swallow them up. Their protection is gone. These guys were seeing something. I actually believe in the heavenly realms. There was actually probably beyond their age and experience. They were seeing something. Their protection is gone. And the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You see, what they were basically saying is, we can have them. We can take them. We can do it in Jesus' name. And we want to encourage more and more and more a possibility culture where some of you are going to come with some hair-brained ideas and thoughts and you're going to say, surely Christian's going to just laugh at me if I say this. Well, come and tell us. Come and tell us. There's a number of people around the life of the United Kingdom in the churches who started with a crazy dream and they just trusted God and God is now doing amazing things through their life. There's many young leaders who are doing crazy things. A number of us had the joy over the weekend of going to the Hillsong Conference just for one night. Josh was there for the whole day. But just for one night to see around 10,000 people gather in one place to worship the name of Jesus was something that was amazing. But Brian Houston, who's just a bloke like actually us, There's nothing particularly great or special about him. Just with a real sense of call of God on his life. Just dared to believe for something great to happen in the nation of Australia. And then dared to believe that this could be carried to the ends of the earth. And the rest is history. There was a possibility culture. Who knows what God can do through us here. I just want to leave this verse with you. 
If we are going to enter into a better place, we must understand. Psalm 18 verse 19 says this, that God has brought me into a spacious, large, roomy and expansive place. Lids on our lives, lids that people want to put on our lives, self-imposed lids, we've got to remove them in Jesus' name. Let's not live with our yesterdays. Let's live with all that God has for us here today. Could it be possible that 60 or 70 people could actually make a difference in Mansfield? Well, I I actually believe it can. I actually believe we can make a difference in Jesus' name. Because their protection is gone. And the Lord is with us in Jesus' name. I wonder if we just bow our heads. In the middle of my sharing tonight, I just made a statement and I was very intentional. I didn't know who was going to be here tonight. Well, I 